0: Welcome to The Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes. This is a podcast from CBS News and I am your host. Every week we discuss issues including gender and income inequality. Thursday marks the 34th annual World AIDS Day. Globally some 38 million are living with HIV and 1.5 million more were newly diagnosed last year. We are looking at this virus at the global level and also at what patients need, especially as they get older. We begin with Dr. Cesar Nunez, Director of UNAIDS New York, and a report showing how inequalities are hurting the fight against this illness. That conversation after this short break.
1: What makes a life a good one? the key driver of the AIDS epidemic is the gender inequalities. Uh, Here we we refer to unequal power dynamics between men and women and and harmful gender norms, uh, which increase HIV vulnerability of women and girls in in all of their diversity, Uh, deprive them of voice and the ability to make decisions regarding their lives. Uh, so we see uh, these uh, new HIV infections among adolescent girls and young women uh, declining slower than among males in the same nations of Saharika, for example. This is a, a particular um, inequality that, that we highlight in our report. There is a second um, inequality that it, it refers to marginalized people. And here we refer to um, key populations. And in, within key populations, we refer to um, gay men and other men who have sex with other men. Uh, we refer to uh, sex workers. We refer to injecting drug users and uh, as well as the prisoners. So uh, new HIV infections uh, are concentrated among them. And, and they are not declining globally. We, we see that there are few programs targeting these, these populations, and if we do not scale up uh, the interventions for them, we're not going to be able to, 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 no, to, to be successful. The last uh, inequality, and, and I'm extending a bit myself, but uh, I wanted to cover the three, and then we can perhaps elaborate, uh, it's children. Uh, in 2021, 800,000 children living with HIV were still not on life-saving treatment. And we know that what needs to be done to eliminate the vertical transmission of HIV and meet the treatment needs of children. But a failure of leadership has prevented us from doing so. So it <clears throat> is not until very recently that um, pediatric medications have been made available in the past, um, children had to take, uh, uh medications, uh, you know, half by uh, from adult, uh, uh, presentations. So this is something that, that I believe, uh, needs to be uh, done uh, quickly, faster, and uh, it could be easily resolved by intensifying uh, mother centric strategic efforts to prevent vertical transmission.
0: If you could break down a little bit the problem for women, because I understand that some of that is intimate partner violence, some of it is that few women are able to make their own decisions on sexual health.
1: Um, we have seen uh, an increase in domestic partner violence uh, around the world. Unfortunately, during the that shutdown due to the pandemic, uh, a lot of that happened, and many women were or uh, were uh, had to stay at home with the the aggressor, and and, and that generated uh, a lot of issues worldwide. We uh, have seen that the importance of uh, uh, programs that allow um, young girls and, and, and young women, uh, you know, acquire uh, the ability to, to say no, to, to fight back. And, and this comes with education we have placed uh, an enormous emphasis on the importance of education particularly in uh, countries in sub-saharan africa we have uh, noticed how women and, and, and girls particularly who end secondary education they um, reduce by half their risk to acquiring hiv
0: let me ask you What countries, and I know that you just talked about sub-Saharan Africa, so we'll come back to that, but what countries are having the biggest problem battling HIV-AIDS in this year?
1: The, the epidemic continues to be um, focused in South Saharan Africa, but at the same time, I must uh, speak well or highly of uh, the responses, particularly in, in South Africa. South Africa is the country that reports the most people in with HIV, but also reports the highest level of investment in uh, prevention and care. At the moment, uh, compared to many countries around the world uh, developing or middle-income countries uh, that invest uh, between 2% 3% of their global budget, South Africa is investing 12%. But uh, we have 12 countries at the moment in in the Sahel that... um, and in the SADC, I'm sorry, the countries from from the south of Africa that are running a program that we're calling Education Plus. And and this is a a joint program that we are running with UNICEF, UN Women, UNFPA and UNESCO. The idea is to make sure that education is available for the secondary um, uh, level of schooling and that we see girls transition to uh, labor and that prevents them from acquiring HIV.
0: I've got to ask you one more question because one of the things that struck me mm-hmm. was discussing the masculinity issue with men. And I know in, in many countries that uh, uh, same-sex relations are criminalized, right? And that is definitely affecting the people knowing their HIV status in the first place, Right.
1: Yes, now this is, this has been an, uh, a very significant um, issue in the response. At the moment, 70% uh, of the new infections uh, belong in the category of uh, gay men or men who have sex with other men. And uh, even though they represent only about 5% of the population. So talking about masculinities is uh, uh, an issue. But there is a lot of pushback in in many countries, traditions in some cases, or uh, culturally uh, something that is not accepted. We unfortunately see in many countries around the world Uh, the criminalization of homosexual relationships. And this is something that happens as close to us as in the Caribbean. 11 countries there uh, criminalize homosexuality. Uh, But in in African countries, we also see even, depending on the the culture, even with the penalty of death in some cases.
0: And let me just ask you one more quick question. You said that there are, A couple of things that can be done to end these inequalities and help the world continue to battle this, not as deadly as before, but still very deadly disease.
1: Our report, uh, it's it's, it's a call for action. It's a call for action that is defined by the word equalize. So it's a call to equalize. We must equalize for women and girls to reduce their HIV status. There's a second call to equalize for marginalized people. We must equalize for children living with HIV. And we also uh, need to tackle the inequalities of resourcing. So by equalizing access to rights, to services, to resources, and equalized access to the best science and medicine, that's how we will end AIDS.
0: That was Dr. Cesar Nunez at UNAIDS New York. Now, here's Reverend Jimmy Gibbs, National Chair of the National Center for AIDS Research, CAB Coalition. He tells us some patients living with HIV are feeling marginalized, and he stresses the importance of making sure everyone who needs resources gets a position at the table.
2: Yeah, as a black gay man, I, I live this experience uh, totally every day. Uh, I, I don't think we need to wait until the end of the year just to, to, to acknowledge the fact that we are affected disproportionately onto uh, other communities. My first foray into uh, HIV and to AIDS was my very best friend uh, had HIV AIDS back in the 80s. And um, there weren't a lot of resources back then. So a lot of us in the community got together with his parents uh, as friends of his parents who were working full time uh, while we were going to school, and we became caregivers. And um, this is what started us into, you know, how to care for someone. Uh, Patty LaBelle's song, You Are My Friend, uh, came to mind um, when we were doing the sacred work. And being a caregiver puts you on the front line of the illness and how it affects Um various people in many different ways. Um, in the very beginning, we had extreme weight loss. Uh, we had uh, a severe pain uh, that was associated with uh, the illness itself. And we've come a long ways, but, you know, I think along the way, um, folks of color have been uh, looked at uh, as guinea pigs in some of the research that has been going on, and they've been taken for granted. And I want to make sure that, You know, we're not taken for granted when we do this work, when we uh, sign up for these, um, uh, when we do surveys online, when we do these clinical trials. Because part of the research that has happened has not alleviated a lot of things that are associated with it. But a lot of people aren't taking the 12, 13, 30 cocktails a day. They're down to one to two pills and injections. So we've come a long way in that realm but there's still so much more work to do
0: so let me ask you right quick you said that people of color are being looked at as guinea pigs and taken for granted what do you mean by that
2: i mean you know it's sort of uh it's like um when you sign up for these trials the 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 i think we're looking at how we're actually treated and we can always go back um to the landmark um tuskegee um um uh, miss, you know, uh, error where, you know, black, you're were... talking,
0: you're talking about the, syph- the syphilis trials.
2: Exactly. The syphilis trials. I mean, you know, it's just almost hard for me to you know get out sometimes because I think about um, one of my uncles had gone through that as well. And, you know, we just want to make sure that we don't repeat the past. We remember the past as a learning, teachable moment to make sure that we're all treated fairly and equally. And I think that's where we have to start the mark over is making sure that no one gets left behind in the research. And everyone has an equitable uh, position at that table to provide data, to provide information, to provide all of these resources to make um, the illness um, a little bit more tolerable for the next generation. You know, we've come a long ways. Uh, in in HIV research and education. But there's so much more uh, to do to make sure that misinformation does not get out in the public uh, sector.
0: So let me ask you briefly, Black people, you know, Latina people for that matter, are disproportionately Mm -hmm. affected by this, right? Talk to me briefly about what that looks like for people that are in the throes of dealing with the symptoms and are still that you know some of whom haven't gotten perhaps the cocktails that they that are available these days Mm -hmm. What, what does that look like
2: yeah we're talking about all people of color women and men and you know we're we're looking at a lot of things have happened because people have lived with this uh some have lived with this 30 plus years now so we're looking at the comorbidities that come along with that you know we're looking at the aging process this is where the research has taken uh a foothold in what does aging with hiv look like do Uh, Are the symptoms the same as in an aged person? So people that have lived with HIV, um, they can have the same types of heart issues, the same types of mental health issues, the same types of uh, the tiredness, the the weight gain. All of these things are factored into uh, people of lived experience, and we need to look at that and, and see where we are. Um, with people of color in addressing those uh, comorbidities that that come along with the aging uh, and HIV.
0: What message would you give to people of color on this World AIDS Day? Because I know it's it's affecting people of color in Africa and it's affecting people of color in America. What what positive message could you offer people that are that are trying to survive this?
2: I think you know there is always hope. As a minister, I provide that hope. Um, we, we are in a position to provide resources, education, medication, and these wraparound services, including housing, including those supportive services. I think the, one of the organizations that uh, you saw that I worked with for many years is ACRA, the AIDS Community Residents Association. We now call it the Affordable Community Residents Association, because we're trying to make sure that housing is accessible and affordable. So not only are you dealing with um, the throes of being in um, the HIV arena, but you're also dealing with the stigma, you're dealing with the trauma, you're dealing with uh, no housing or lack of great housing I think everyone has access should have access to great housing I'm not telling you that everybody should live in Beverly Hills but we should provide resources so that everyone has an equitable house uh, that has running water that has utilities uh, that are not out of control that they can afford uh, and, and access to transportation I think those are the kinds of things that we look at and good medication management so that it's not so expensive uh, for for folks to afford um, not only the the hiv medications but we're talking about you know the medications that go along with it high blood pressure you know cholesterol all of these things are raptor diabetes all of these are comorbidities that somehow are attached to the aging process but are attached to people of lived experience
0: okay but as you did say we've come a long way right
2: yes we have come a long way, but there's so much more to do. Um, there's so much uh, education around stigma. There's so much education around, you know, what, did it, what does it mean to be uh, a person of lived experience? What does it mean to walk in my shoes? What does it mean that I need to be tested? Those kinds of questions are still out there floating in the public area. You know, these things, yes, get tested. We, You need to know your status so that we can begin treatment as soon as possible. Yes, there are some medications out there. I know know that they um you know that we you know we look at prep as as the number one medication that we're using right now uh to you know for the treatment um and the adherence piece but there's so much more that we can do as a community to wrap ourselves around our brothers and sisters of lived experience and help them navigate um through some of the challenges that are still here today
0: that was Jimmy Gibbs at the National CIFAR Cab Coalition. Thanks so much for joining us, and thanks to Alan Pang for his production assistance. Like what you hear? Come on back for more. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Friday. Follow the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast, and leave a rating or review. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News.